Today on the ESG Beat, we will speak with Eunice Rowe, the Deputy Director of Strategic Partnerships at the ACLU. Eunice will be discussing how the ACLU is increasingly working with companies to address voter suppression. And we will delve into the promise and the limits of that collaboration. Welcome to the ESG Beat, Eunice. Thank you so much. It's really good to see you again. Thanks for having me. So this ESG Beat will focus on how the ACLU is beginning to collaborate more and more with the private sector uh, and specifically to advocate against voter suppression, uh, which is just your expertise. Uh, Before we get started, though, let's begin with your role. Can you describe your role as Deputy Director of Strategic Partnerships at the ACLU? Sure. Uh, So again, thanks for having me. It's really nice to be talking to you about a topic obviously I feel very passionate about. The strategic partnerships team at the ACLU was created in mid-17, really in response to the overwhelming support from the private sector in unprecedented ways. And I should caveat that when I say ACLU, I mean my office, which is a national headquarters. You know, some of our state-based affiliates have been doing this for years, uh, but obviously I can speak best to the work at the national office. Um, And so, you know, this team was formed, I joined about six months after its original formation to think about a comprehensive approach to the um, companies that were expressing interest in supporting the ACLU. What would it look like? You know, philanthropic, advocacy, employee giving, sponsorship, marketing, all of those things to be focused on the ACLU's priority work. Um, So, you know, given my policy and law background, it really uh, a lot of my focus is on setting up priorities um, and how we respond to time sensitive rapid response moments. You know, there's no shortage of those these days. Right. So you can do your best to set up your calendar for the year. You know, the ACLU has some predictable cadence of work. Right. We always have a Supreme Court case or two, uh, you know, with really significant implications. There's election work. Uh, There is a deluge of anti-voting, abortion, LGBTQ legislation in the first four or five months of the year coming from state legislatures. But beyond that, you know, there are so many other moments where, you know, the news heats up and companies have to respond. And so I work a lot on that aspect of it and also a lot on employee engagement and coming up with uh, different ways that uh, companies can show up on the advocacy side, right? It could just be, you know, for instance, the uh, anti-trans directive coming out of Texas. You know, the simple request was, please drive resources to those on the ground and post your support on social, right? Nothing more complicated than that. Or, you know, Supreme Court uh, amicus briefs or multi-part seminars, it could really run the gamut here, which has been the good part. So let's um, unpack that a little bit more. Uh, You've already um, noted that the ACLU has historically engaged with companies in a variety of ways, uh, like support on briefs, public statements. Can you help contextualize um, or can you help give us examples of the many ways that companies do engage with the ACLU on a variety of issues? Yeah, so I joined the ACLU in mid twenty. 11, so just over 10 years, and the organization's kind of relationships or interactions with companies has changed so dramatically in that time, which I think we're going to get into later only makes sense as the role of corporations uh, has changed so much over time and the public's demands of them, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I think a lot of the reason why 
at least philanthropically, the ACLU didn't engage much with companies is that we don't do a lot of the traditional kind of corporate engagement e kind of things that other nonprofits may do, right? We don't have a big gala or a big dinner uh, that's kind of like easy sponsorship opportunity kind of a thing. Um, and I think, you know, corporate philanthropic giving to the ACLU because we're sort of known to champion causes and people who may be marginalized in society, um, you know, they weren't really interested. And so if we think about the dramatic shift in how companies have financially supported the ACLU, we can get into some of the other stuff as well. Eunice, can you help us uh, contextualize how corporate engagement with the ACLU has changed over the past few years? Sure. Let me think on the philanthropic side first. I'll give you one, I think, representative statistic. Uh, Benevity, it's a Canada-based company. Uh, They process, uh, it's a software platform that processes employee giving and corporate matches to charities like the ACLU, right? I think they have like hundreds, if not thousands of charities that, you know, any employee can give to using this platform. And so reporting out on calendar year 2014, the ACLU came in 86th among charities. Respectable, nothing to write home about. But you fast forward just a few years, you know, again, this team's formation, the Trump election. So calendar years 2016 and 2017, the ACLU rose to second among all charities and really has not dropped off the top 10 since. So I think, you know, this dramatic kind of transformation uh, is really representative of companies' relationships to the ACLU. That's a remarkable statistic, um, and it relates to uh, philanthropy. Have you seen more engagement outside of philanthropy as well? And can you give us some uh, examples of that engagement? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can get into the voting work uh, that we have been engaging in with companies. And I also should say, you know, when I was a policy attorney at the ACLU prior to this current role, we did work a lot with companies to combat uh, anti-LGBTQ legislation at the state level. I think, you know, with organizations like the Human Rights Campaign and others, the corporate, the private sector was much more used to engaging on LGBTQ issues on the policy side of things. Eunice, thank you so much for that statistic on increased philanthropic giving to the ACLU. I'd like to segue uh, into voter suppression uh, because I know that that's an area that you've been very active in. Uh, But before I do that, uh, before I get into the mechanics of how companies are working with the ACLU, why? Why this shift? I mean, that's a really important question, right? And I think about it sort of in three levels. Uh, First is just the significant distrust and skepticism of political institutions and the political process in general. Um, There are just, you know, you look at any news, anything, frankly, (laughs) international, national, local, uh, there are so many crises, like historical crises, right? Not just some little fire. Uh, And they're happening all simultaneously. And no matter where you turn, the institutions I think a lot of the public would normally rely on are really failing uh, to meet this moment and to address the challenges. And I think it's especially contributing to a sense of uh, disillusionment and rightful skepticism among younger generations. Uh, You know, I really feel for the younger generations in this country who are just dealing with so many failures simultaneously. 
And then the second part, of course, is that companies are becoming more responsive to employees. You know, these skeptical young people are working full time and good for them. They are challenging their employers to do more, right, uh, to support, you know, their communities, the causes that they care about and employers, at least in, you know, most of these white collar type professions and, you know, big multinationals, they are responding, right, uh, to make sure that they hire and, and retain talented folks. And I think we're seeing that right now, you know, a company like Disney, huge presence in Florida, not really saying much on the anti-LGBTQ legislation that's pending over there, and the employees are going public. Um, and then last but certainly not least is that the ACLU has certainly grown in sort of mainstream prominence, right? You know, I think the ACLU has always been a known quantity and well-respected quantity in legal and advocacy circles. I remember, you know, sitting in law school, like dreaming about working at the ACLU one day, as many law students have. And, but, you know, outside of those kinds of like uh, hallowed halls, so to speak, uh, we were not really a household name, right? And I wouldn't quite put the ACLU there now, but it's fairly well known, the organization and its work. Um, and simultaneously those kinds of unpopular causes that the ACLU is famous or infamous for taking on are now mainstream, right? Whether it is, you know, defending undocumented teens in federal custody so that they can obtain an abortion or ensuring that students have a right to learn all of this country's history or defending the rights of protesters. Those are things that people talk about now as opposed to those, uh, you know, marginal causes that the ACLU, you know, uh, proudly supported fighting alone many times. So I would really put all three changes simultaneously uh, to get uh, really to explain why companies are engaging with the ACLU the way they have been of late. I'd like to zero in on voter suppression now. Okay, Eunice, I know that your team led the effort with respect to corporate engagement on um, getting out the vote in the 2020 election. Can you walk us through uh, some of the projects that you've worked on. So on the voter engagement side of things, we really try to offer a menu of options, right? With the real recognition that we wanted to meet companies where they were at, and at the same time, help plug them into things that will have an impact, right? Uh, not a vanity project. And so, you know, it starts with ensuring that internal policies are voting friendly, uh, time off to time to vote. The corporate coalition does a lot of this, but you know, are you make, are you pro voting as an organization, right? Uh, are you offering time off, whether hours or days paid? Are you making voting information with the myriad deadlines and uh, what have you available and easily accessible internally? Um, are you willing to use your platform in a public facing way to share information, know your rights with all these changing laws and deadlines all the time? You know, you need to keep people aware of the latest developments, right? So that they know what to do when, to, when they are voting. Um, ensuring that there are volunteer opportunities, oftentimes paid for employees, right? Uh, we created text and phone banking, get out the vote opportunities for voters in select states. Uh, several, I, I think a few hundred employees plugged into that. And then some of our affiliates really took the lead in places like Georgia, training poll workers. Uh, so that, you know, corporate employees or anyone really can train, uh, keep the older folks safe from COVID, right? Because the poll worker population really does skew much older. 
uh, and learn about the election process too, right? That's just as an important aspect of all of this uh, as anything. Um, and of course, you know, philanthropic support using kind of multiple uh, resources at the company's uh, reach, right? Uh, one clothing company, just as an example, raised, I think, several hundred thousand dollars for the ACLU selling a vote t-shirt. And at the same time, they distributed uh, Know Your Rights materials to their customers. So it's not just like wear a nice t-shirt and give some money. All great. We want that. <laughs> but, you know, really use all the um, assets in the company's disposal to contribute to the overall voter engagement work. And then when it came to policy advocacy, I think especially at the state level, you know, as I mentioned, they were very used to doing this on anti-LGBTQ legislation, but we really had not seen this on the voting rights side of things, federal, state, you know, uh, one statistic I like to throw out on that front is in the 2006 uh, Voting Rights Act uh, reauthorization, I think there were like four companies that spoke up, maybe three, you know, Disney, Eli Lilly, Walmart come immediately to mind, right? It was, it was huge that they did that, right? A corporation like Walmart, you know, so dominant, coming out and saying, we need this law. Our employees want this law. It'll protect their voting rights. And then when it came this time around uh, in the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act phase, I think there were over like 250 companies, right? So the level of understanding, prioritization, and engagement on the policy side had dramatically changed. And then on the state side of things, you know, um, obviously there was a significant kind of visible crisis of democracy uh, January 6th after the election in 2020. And disappointingly, we didn't see a ton of corporate engagement when voter suppression laws were being passed. I mean, I think Georgia being the most uh, kind of famous example in early 2021, right? Right. Um, and many companies being shamed for their lack of engagement, uh, despite having seen the challenges of the 2020 election and January 6th. But I think, you know, because of the level of emergency <laughs> that this country's democracy is in, I think companies have come to realize not all of them, by the way, you know, the I think we worked with like 50, 70 companies on the 2020 election, you know, in some way, shape or form. Uh, but a much smaller group uh, is delving in deeply. Right. And again, this is to everyone's strengths. Right. Some companies are very used to engaging at the state level or doing some level of policy advocacy. Others may not even have people who work on that. And so a smaller subset have started to invest more resources into combating state voter suppression legislation. Can you give us a sense of how the ACLU works with those companies that are delving in deeper on the um, policy agenda with respect to voter suppression? What does that work look like? Sure. And, you know, when we engage with the private sector on the policy side of things, I think, again, kind of trying to begin with the baseline understanding, right? We connected them with a number of experts, both from the national office and our state-based offices on what are we anticipating in this 2020 legislative cycle, right? What do they want companies to do in their backyards? Uh, and then also, you know, creating a channel of communication, real kind of nuts and bolts stuff, right? Like, who do you talk to when you hear about a bill? Here are the people that you need to go to, right? Because I think I'm perennially surprised at how kind of lawless state legislatures are, right? They introduce, pass, 
vote just, you know, with no notice. And so it's just so important to be able to react quickly and getting those kind of like real foundational stuff prepared will allow you to kind of spring into action. So there's a lot of kind of real just connecting people to the right people. And then also, you know, based on that, um, we try to elevate to them with the huge swath of states that are trying to pass some voter suppression legislation, where can companies actually make an impact, right? Can they issue a statement? Can, take on, can they contact a legislator uh, or some high-level decision maker? And it doesn't always have to be public, right? Because uh, many companies don't want to go out in public um, because you know, they have so many layers of review and this is being debated tomorrow. But they can make a lot of difference behind the scenes. If you're a significant employer in a given state and you care about something, you know, your call will be answered, perhaps in a different way than an ACLU lobbyist call, which may never be answered. So we try to identify those opportunities where their engagement could actually make a real impact, right? Um, so I think those are some of the ways we're trying to really hone in on how best to work with the private sector. So this level of engagement is indeed remarkable and new, but are there limits to the ACLU collaborating with companies in this way? Absolutely. And I think the organization and my team, we try to be very judicious about how we work with companies. You know, the ACLU's principles and integrity are uh, paramount. And so one of the reasons why this team really prioritizes a more comprehensive engagement model and prioritize companies that want to build a longer term relationship is so that we can maintain the sense of integrity. And we're very honest with companies, right? No permanent friends, no permanent enemies, and we will hold their feet to the fire when necessary. Um, you know, if they are doing something that contravenes, God forbid, and the ACLU's priorities are work or litigation, you know, they will, they will hear from us, right? We're not going to pretend as if uh, we're going to give them a pass because they worked on us on a different project. So I always like to end the ESG beat by giving our guests a magic wand and a crystal ball. I'm going to start with the magic wand. And if you could wave your magic wand and cause companies to change a few things about the way that they engage with the ACLU, what would that be? Well, I mean, without my ACLU hat on, I could talk about so many other things, right? Environment, labor, taxes. But with the ACLU hat on, I will say, I think consistency is really important, right? Uh, These fights, uh, these challenges, they're not several months or even a few years uh, worth of work. Uh, This is ongoing. And one perfect example that is very salient and uh, recent is on immigration. You know, for all the right reasons, uh, it was all hands on deck, given how the prior administration was targeting immigrants. And companies were giving money, raising awareness, doing everything. And we're not hearing about it as much from them, at least on U.S. immigration anymore, right? It's not as if those fires have died down and suddenly, you know, it's, you know, rosy times for immigrants in this country. <laughs> um, and so it is deeply disappointing, frankly, to see the lack of uh, prioritization. Um, And at the same time, I'll give them a little bit of credit. You know, when I started working on voting rights in 2010, it was real faster uh, feast or famine with uh, voting rights organizations. Major election years, tons and tons and tons of money. Those years in between, nothing. 
and it made it really difficult to engage in a consistent way. So I think this recognition, at least again, knock on wood, that voter suppression, voting rights, democracy, frankly, is not a one-year game or even a two-year game, um, I think is real progress, but I would like to see more of that. And at the same time, you know, tying back to how we started this conversation, I, I would really like for there to be fewer crises where we call upon the private sector to weigh in. You know, um, there was a time when the Voting Rights Act was reauthorized with 98 senators with zero no votes. We're so not at that time anymore, which is why, you know, 250 plus companies had to try and make some kind of an impact. Uh, I would really love for us to be less polarized so that those kinds of efforts uh, could be directed elsewhere. And now on to the crystal ball. Where do you see us headed? I confess it's a little hazy. I think there are so many ongoing challenges and to the extent that, you know, these significant institutional problems are happening and the country remains so polarized, my immediate prediction is that companies will be called upon time and time again uh, to respond and respond in real concrete ways. You know, Disney tried it and people were not happy and they made their opinions known. And so I think other companies have to react and respond and learn from this moment to realize the audience is getting sophisticated. And so what will you be doing to really make a difference? And again, this is not an ACLU issue per se, but there's a lot of examination into corporate political giving. And so that kind of, you know, we support rights on the one side and then we give a lot of money to those who are oppressing those rights on the other side. I'm not sure how much longer that can last. I think that kind of uh, contradiction is not going to be well received for much longer than it already isn't.